Dead Turtles, The Selfishness of Mother Nature, Mansplaining, Dirty Johns, and more. All on this episode of Awesome Today. Awesome Today is a mostly daily show about stuff. Don't overcomplicate it. It's barely edited and sometimes offensive. Enjoy it and have an awesome today. Hi there. Hello. It's my turn to be a little bit, um, what's the word? Angry? I'm not angry. Violent? Oh. Anti all of that, but not quite anti-fragile. It's my turn to be fragile today. Fragile. I was up extremely, extraordinarily late last night, and I'm a little... How'd all that start? Brain woozy. How did our evening start? Yesterday evening. Our evening started with the twins who had brought up to me some stuff about a turtle. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they were talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) Because that is a big topic here. Yes. And Mac and a turtle and something. And so I was kind I was distracted and I was kind of like, didn't pay attention until I looked over and saw that Mac had an actual turtle. Wait, you looked over where? In their bed. In their bed? Yes. A turtle in the bed. In their bed, the twins were there. And also there was a turtle. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing that I, I had one of those moments where you're like, okay, I'm crazy. Because they were, Mac was holding it like this by its shell. Mm-hmm. It's very small. And so then I was like, my brain was like doing this, like, like a Scooby-Doo. Yes. Like yes. run, trying to like figure out like what's happening. Lots here. of effort going nowhere. Lots of effort going nowhere. That's exactly right. Because I remembered the turtle talk from earlier, but what Mac was holding up was so small. And I thought, well, okay. I so don't an know. Oreo? What yeah, did, yeah. It was like a little bit bigger than an Oreo. And I thought, when did they get a toy turtle? Like, we have a lot, way, way, way too many toys here, but I don't remember them ever having, like, a small life-size, no, life-like mm-hmm. turtle. And then I was like, uh, what's that? And they're like, it's the turtle. And I was like, what? And then I could see that it's, like, little legs and head were sticking out. I never followed up with you on this. It was not only a turtle. That turtle had already met its unfortunate demise. Oh, you're kidding. It was a dead turtle? It was a dead freaking turtle. That's delightful. A dead baby turtle. Probably need to sanitize the whole house now. Yes. Yeah. So I made everybody, not everybody, made the twins scrub down. First, take the turtle out to the yard. They were like, but the dogs brought it in. That's what happens. Yes. So it's like that's like the perfect size for their little angry mouths. Exactly. Exactly. Then this morning, oh, okay. Also, John Kyle. So Mac had had the turtle. John Kyle was distraught that we could not keep that turtle, even though it was dead, as a pet. And then he wanted to get another turtle as a pet. And I was like, you know, turtles belong to nature and they're not really good pets. They're kind of boring. And he was like, I like boring pets. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was, yeah. Like anything I would say, he's already getting so good at turning it around and be like, you don't understand. Turtles are great pets. Why can't I have one? So you were close to pitching it right. Yeah. You could have been like, hey, look, turtles belong to nature and she's a real jerk and she doesn't share. <laughs> but we're not her parents, so we can't make her share. Sorry. Yeah. So 
this morning, I always take the dogs for a walk between, you know, like six, six thirty range. So I come back and I have got Nico on my back, take the dogs on a walk. I come back. The twins are already outside in the backyard. Oh, wow. Good job, sisters. Out in the backyard. And, uh, I'm like, what are y'all doing? Looking for turtles. Where's daddy turtle? Where's the baby turtle? I mean, they were on the hunt. I'm sure our neighbors appreciated it. First thing in the morning. I don't even care. They were not, the twins were not quietly tromping through the, uh, the foliage. Shrubbery. The shrubbery at the side of the yard. Looking for a turtle as a pet. That was mm. just the beginning of a, and a, action-packed evening that kept me up until two so anyway i'm gonna do my best hanging in today I, oh you're good i you're genuinely good. i've been talking to you you're okay. good no worries well i was going to say I genuinely don't feel angry i was gonna say grouchy no i, I got a little uh, there's like a little vibration of grouchy running through which for meg is like she just stopped smiling as large <laughs> just a little lesser of a smile everybody's safe we're okay yeah, a lot of times if Kyle, you know, walks into a room and I'm not smiling, he's immediately like, what's wrong? What Who died? So I will do my best to hang in with some uh, uh, words. Yes. I see that you're breaking it's, into my phone. It's time for everyone's favorite segment. Pukable pukers. Uh, it's time for our potent potables that nope. I like to call. No such thing. <laughs> I've been calling it now. I can't even remember. That's further evidence that it's wrong. Don't like it. Okay, it's time for our, our noodles. <laughs> I remembered it. I did it. It came to me in the hour of my need. My throat's itchy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, we do have some notables from history today. I really enjoyed this. That on June twenty seventh, right? June twenty seventh. Is it seven? Pretty sure. What's the date today? 26. For us as we record. In, okay. our, in our real okay. in the real timeline So of for us, your, your timeline, the 27th, yes. this is what we're talking about. Yeah, on this date in 1693, taking it back in time, the Ladies Mercury, the Ladies Mercury was published by John Dunton mm -hmm. in London. It was the first women's magazine. Now, notably, it contained a question and answer section. Now, look. That is a hallmark of the ladies' magazines. Go pull a... Ladies like the Q&A. They like the Q&A. Fun fact, back in the day when I very first started Sort of Awesome, it was going to be completely a Q&A show. Wow. People ask us questions. Whoever the co-host is, we would together answer the questions. That concept lasted about five episodes. And then we were like, this is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> Where do we get our questions from? Is this dumb? So we stopped the Q&A. But to this day, people love a Q&A. So interestingly, uh, it contained a question and answer column be that became known as the problem page. Now, I wondered if the person answering these questions John. was, in fact, Mr. John Dutton. Yep. And if we have pinpointed the origin story for mansplaining. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. I love that story. Somebody's got a mansplain. Uh, yes. Well, actually. Might as well be Mr. Dunton. Yes. Or Dr. Dunton. Who knows? I don't know what he was. <laughs> the good doctor. The good doctor. Okay. I also love this story that on June 27th in 1967, 
the world's first cash dispenser was installed at a Barclays bank. Mm -hmm. I say Barclay. What if it's Barclay? It's Barclays. Trust me. Okay. Because Barclays has gone on to exist as a major thing within my industry. Okay. And it's pronounced Barclays. It's spelled Barclays. Well, I did. I don't speak the Queen's English. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if I was saying that. No, right. I just helped you. I just mansplained you. There just we call go. call me Dr. Duntas. <laughs> We'll make a magazine out of it. There we go. Barclays Blank and Bank in Enfield, England. The device was invented by John. Another John. Lots John's of Johns. Lots big of today. dirty Johns out there. Lots of dirty Johns. And John Kyle begging for pet turtles. So Indeed. we got a lot. A dirty dead one. <laughs> okay. It was invented by John Shepard Barron. The machine operated on a voucher system. The maximum withdrawal was twenty-eight U.S. dollars. I, we don't know what the conversion rate. Right, suspicion uh, is that was a round was. dollar yeah. number for British pound, probably like twenty. This is called a cash dispenser, and it was in the nineteen sixties. Do you know what immediately sprang to mind when I read this factoid? The whiskey dispenser. Yes! Oh my gosh, you remembered! Of course, I did. <laughs> I long for this piece of brilliant creativity. Explain it. So this was a same date range, right? Yeah, it 60s. was in the 60s. In yes. the U.S., I have found an online picture. It would have been the equivalency of the break room. Yep. The the actual machine that sat on the wall of the break room looked much like a feminine product machine. Yep, that's bathroom. exactly what it looks like. Imagine a like stainless steel mm -hmm. painted. Uh, yep. Yeah. You know. But yeah, and it's like rectangular shape. It's attached to the wall. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it was an ice-cold whiskey dispenser in the break room. I'm like, why did why'd we ever leave this? Well, yeah, whatever The business that? place would be a much better world if this were constant <laughs> and ready and available. I love it. I feel like that was at peak Badman era. Yeah, of had to have been. Just, yeah. you know, I love The early when, seasons. Yeah, Mad Men was a stressful show in many ways, but I enjoyed how much they would just be like, yeah. it's it's not, it's not 10 o'clock in the morning, who wants a drink? If you need to talk, let's have a drink. <laughs> oh, you're tired, let's have a drink. You just got to work, you deserve a drink. <laughs> it was so ubiquitous, and I love that somewhere in the annals of history, lost to history now, there was an ice cold... No. I am determined in my, <clears throat> not now, my later years, when I'm wealthy and old and pre-retirement, if that ever happens, mm -hmm. I want to search the antique places and I want to find one of these fully restored and have it as the quirky piece of cool thing in my home. Uh, fully functional. Fully functional. Yes. It's More true. functional than the bathroom. Yeah. yeah all of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um... 2002, yeah, relatively recent, mm -hmm. I guess, 18 years, sure. yeah. but recent in a 40-some-year-old's life. Yeah, I was going to say, when you're old, 18 years is nothing. So, yeah. This, it's not so much awesome. So, I some of the things I find awesome, it's like a really sarcastic, oh, that's awesome. Great, great job, guys. I mean, that's kind of what this is. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, which is who is the regulatory body over my line of work, uh, they required companies with annual sales of more than $1.2 billion to submit sworn statements backing up the accuracy of their financial reports. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? Our tax dollars went to you, mostly worthless oversight body, to demand that the documents that you submit in a legal fashion to, to report as a business your finances, that now we also want a sworn statement with it 
indicating that it's not, it, well, you didn't have to do it true before, mm -hmm. but now, you know, if you have the sworn statement and additionally that if you, if your business has below 1.2 billion in sales that nobody cares, it's okay to be a liar. It's like, what, what are you guys doing with your lives? Why don't you quit and go get a real job? Awesome. Really awesome. Great job, guys. Okay, I think that means that going forward, I really like this. We're going to give things a rating of like genuine awesome or sarcastic awesome. Assy awesome. Assy awesome. Okay. That's we'll assy see. awesome. You're not the producer, so we'll see. All right. <laughs> it's true. That's my assy producer. Yes. Okay, Dr. John. Dr. Dr. John Splainer. <laughs> Let's move into Blackout, shall we? Blackout. It's the final two episodes. It's the last two episodes. We listened, and I had a revelation about what... You can't share it. I know. I was going to try to give a teaser. Okay, tease it. All right. I had a revelation about what's happening here um, in the literary sense of this structure, what's going on. And that's going to have to wait till tomorrow, because we have got a well, lot the, of ground to cover. Yes. Tomorrow as you listen. Tomorrow, tomorrow for us. Yes. Because tomorrow of when all you listen. the paradoxes. Yes. Time tomorrow when you hear this, it would be the tomorrow episode. Yeah. For you. Exactly. Coming soon to an episode to near you. To a tomorrow you near you. Is going to be my literary breakdown, takedown of Blackout. But for today, we've got to cover these last two episodes. Yep. And I'll tell you what, the penultimate episode being the last one. Before, second to last. Yeah, second to, well, I was going to say last one before the last one. But okay. yes, okay. the second to last episode of a series is called Penultimate. It took me a long time to realize that in my life I've used Penultimate incorrectly. Okay. I didn't have anyone to mansplain to me that I was using it incorrectly, well, so I just kept doing it. I couldn't it. help you there because I didn't know what it meant. I've heard of it before. <laughs> I thought it was just like a really good writing utensil. No, I like to mansplain it to people when I You're hear You're just going to walk past that. Wait, I did walk past it, yes. Because <laughs> I was thinking of my own thing. <laughs> Yeah, we talk about this a lot, whether or not people are listening or they're just waiting their turn to talk. It's true. I it's was. true. But I do. You've wounded my soul. I'm sorry. I do try not to point out, but I do want to point out when people also use it wrongly, the penultimate episode is of a thing is not the last episode, it's the second to last. Okay, because this is where we've got to have the intensity of mm -hmm. all of the action that's happened thus far. It's the real instance where your box of something that smells bad hits a fan. Yes, that's right. That's what's happening here. And it boy does it. So let's get into it. This episode is called Animals. The opening uh, scene, if you will, is Simon on radio saying that it has been 99 days since the blackout began. Yeah. Simon doesn't sound good either. No. Not sounding good. No, sounding a little, little uh, broken up. A little fringy. A little fringy. Um, let's see. We go to, to, uh, Madeline's diner. Charlie is trying to get into it. A guy named Charlie, a character named Charlie, a random, He's brand new, brand new, random towns person introduced in the penultimate Can episode. I spoiler or non-spoiler for Charlie? Okay. Basically all Charlie does randomly is he's responsible for cutting wood to get food and yes. stuff, but that's it. You don't get anything more. There's like two scenes yeah. where it's just like trying to cut them woods and here's some food and... That's it. It's yeah. like, why, why bother? Well, so that Randy can tell him, hey, if you're out of food, you got to go see Madeline. Now, um, 
the scene changes and we go to check in. So the first few series of scenes, they do an interesting thing. It's like one after another, boom, boom, boom. Very quick. It's Randy and Todd doing their militia patrol around town. So we, we, we run into Charlie trying to get into Madeline's diner, even though it's closed, to get food. Next scene, Randy and Todd checking on Jade. Remember Jade? That yeah. was Lincoln's girlfriend. Right. We now are for sure on those names. Yes. They check on Jade because the neighbors have called and basically asked for a sort of a well-person check on yeah. uh, a well-being check for Jade. Um the Randy and Todd knock on the door. She answers, obviously, also not doing okay. Beyond. Yeah. Beyond. Like, you can't equate her not doing okay to Simon. Oh, no. Because she is in a whole new place. A whole new place of badness. Uh, the Randy and Todd are like, hey, where are your parents? And then she's like, they're sleeping. And then they're like, why does it smell so bad right. in here? They don't actually ever say it, but if her parents aren't, like dead and rotting in the house, yeah. then we're all surprised. We're 100% sure, Kyle and I are, that the parents are dead. It smells real bad in the house. She's just like, the maid stopped coming weeks ago. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, right. clearly they yeah. have. She's talking about how she can't sleep at night because all can, she can hear are the mice in the attic. She's, Something, yeah. She's not okay. Um, they're like, hey, could you just let us in so we can check things out? And she's like, don't worry about it. I'll be gone soon. Are we in the woods? Maybe we're all in the woods. I mean, just right. like all she's, of the craziest talk she's you can imagine. She's loony, as she's, you probably would be. Yeah, she's, she's having a little fall apart. Okay, the scene switches again. Now we've got Randy and Todd back on control. The townspeople are getting frustrated, that's for sure. We find out, of course, that Madeline is definitely 100% still siphoning gas wherever oh, she can yeah. find it. Yep. Commandeering vehicles, including and especially snowmobiles, have you ever been on a snowmobile? Snowmobile. Not running. Really? Yeah. I sat on one once that was not started and running. It was in someone's garage. That's it. There are people in Oklahoma that have snowmobiles? No. This was on a ski trip. We uh, went and stayed in somebody's cabin. They okay. had two in the garage. Okay. We sat on one, didn't use it. There's actually a plethora uh -huh. of stories about that ski trip. All right. Some inappropriate, some not, but they're not for today. Thanks for shutting me down, though. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'll just be over here mansplaining myself. <laughs> so here's a thing that we can ascertain from this conversation, and that is that people are running out of food. Like, literally, they've hunted the wild game around them to the point where the... You see with the hand gestures there, Chief? I'm trying to explain myself over here, and you're all up in my biz. Okay. It's winter. They've hunted relentlessly in the woods, the only way you can get supplies, the only way you can get supplies in Berlin is if you, uh, or Berlin is if you bring Madeline something to trade and she puts a high priority on meat. Anyway, she offers to this person who's come in and is like, I, I don't have anything. She's like, hey, I'll tell you what I do need is information. And? Well, that's all I wrote down. Okay. Please do tell us. I can't. I'm busy. Unlock. unlock I'm the sorry. I'm producing myself. Well, there's more. So you you hinted on this earlier yeah. where she's stealing and mm -hmm. doing all this with her crew. But then, yes, she's yes, yes, she's branching out. Mm -hmm. And information is a thing, but also anybody who would steal because I believe somebody comes in with stolen gasoline. Oh, yes. And trades it. And she's For like, sure. yeah, bring it on. So yeah. she's she's expanding. She's empowering yeah. those around her to carry out her will as well. Yeah. 
For sure. So yeah, any ill-gotten goods, she doesn't mm-hmm. care. She needs it, but she also does imply, and no, doesn't just imply. She specifically states, if you spy on your neighbors and report anything that you see, I will give you food. So there's a high, high, high value on, hey, turn your neighbors in for something and you can have something to eat. Did you catch the introduction here? No. This is our first introduction by name to Jeremy. Oh, yes. Okay. Jeremy is there at her side in the store mm-hmm. and is sort of like questioning her lightly. On how very, very softly. Very soft mm-hmm. questioning. She actually, she jumps him, doesn't he? Doesn't she? Because she'd oh, yeah. shown up and he'd, he'd made some bad bargains. Maybe yes. just being kind to people instead yes. of That's right. being business savvy. Mm-hmm. You only, you know, during a scary moment, you sell those bottles of water for 10 bucks a piece. Yes. Kind of a gig. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so then we switch scenes again. Now we hear Simon on air. Remember, he had made a deal for his son's life that if he will read Madeline's propaganda, her... You don't have scripts. to say it apologetically. It's straight-up propaganda. <laughs> that uh, they would save Hunter's life by... Re- by forcing him out into exile. So we hear Simon reading it. Now he's super not thrilled to be doing this, but he is assuring everyone that while the rest of the country is falling apart and he's giving a a detailed thing of like, this is happening, this is happening. He even goes so far as to say, despite rumors to the contrary, the Texas Texas something exchange. Interconnection. Interconnection is not working. And then he's like, and this is the electricity thing. Yes. And it never has been in that you can hear people in the general store being like, what? Right. I mean, like, of course it was working at some point, but okay. Um, that no matter what all bad things are happening, Berlin is thriving. And again, some right. one like bystanders like, what? <laughs> Literally out <Right>. loud. <laughs> now, the whole time through the, the tone and intonations and all of that of his voice. If yes. you have kids, it's like when you force one of your kids to apologize to another. Uh-huh. It's about that invested. It's like, okay. Madeline is trying to be like, you know what? I'll tell you what, guys. Hey, everybody, listen to me. I'll tell you what. His show, I didn't used to like it. It's growing on me. Yeah. You know? yeah. I'm really digging what he's doing. He closes out that segment by playing a song called Suck It. Yeah. So a little passy aggressive oh, on the. Oh, it's beyond passy. <laughs> straight up aggressive. It's aggressive, yeah. On the music choices. And this isn't the only time he does this. This yeah. is his. It's the last hope he has to be railing against her without hopefully directly risking his family is his music choices. Exactly. Okay, now my notes get a little sketch here, so feel free to jump in if I miss something. But as far as I can tell, the next scene we're in the bunker and they are all Simon, Carla, uh, Bill is there. Happy Bill, the prepper. Happy Bill is there. Yep. Um, They're all debating on this plan that they've come up with, where to go, when to go, all of those things. Now, someone says if the Texas rumor is true, I think it's Simon, if the Texas rumor is true, the whole country is going to be headed there. If not... They, he says, it's Texas without power, like sick burn on Texas. Well, <laughs> maybe. It's hard because that could go so many directions. Yeah. Because it could be like, well, it's Texas just without power. I don't think it that could go either way. Toad. It's hard to say. I think it was like, but you guys, it's Texas. And also there is no power. I'm I'm non-committal either direction. That's Thank you for sort of standing up for Texas. I and my daughters represent the women in this house and those of us born in Texas. So. It's true. 
Anyway, people like to dig on Texas and there's probably some merit to that. Anyway, uh, Bill kind of is wanting to start to share with people because again, the whole reason Bill has been doing this prepping for so long is to be a helper. He's so happy and, and everybody's still like, no, you cannot tell anybody. And we find out that Hunter has sort of kind of gone on a hun hunger strike a little but bit. But Hunter's back. You skipped that. Oh, yeah. They did, in fact, smuggle oh, him right, back right, right, right. Yeah. into the perimeter. Yes. He's living in hiding on the property. Yeah. So they reinforce to each other. The plan is the first thaw and we're gone. Again, this mm -hmm. is the middle of winter in New Hampshire. Uh, later in the episode, it's going to be actively blizzarding, but right. there's snow on the ground. They're like, we can't go now, but first thaw and we're gone. That's the plan at the moment. You know, you live in a place that's cold when you have language like first thaw. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Next scene, we've got Izzy and uh, Kira. Yes. Who's Hunter's girlfriend. Yeah. They No. Yes. Yes. Here's Hunter's it's girlfriend. So many names. I'm fighting hard. I know. I thought you were going to say, because we had this confusion, that it was Lincoln's girlfriend. I'm like, no, that's the crazy one we already talked about. Lincoln's yes. girlfriend. Kira and Izzy. Hunter are a thing. Yes. Kira, Izzy, your friends, they are, yes. Yes. So they're out hunting. They're naming things that they miss, like hot mm -hmm. showers and YouTube and TED Talks. TED Talks. <laughs> Izzy kills something. We hear it drop to the ground. It's a moose. And okay, a moose. And then they're like, but we gotta hurry and dress it and get it in the van. And then it took you maybe can fill in some of this because it took me a minute to realize like they they were dragging a sled, mm -hmm. but then they're trying to hurry and dress the moose and get it into the van. And where are we gonna put it in the van, whatever the van might be? The van is the proposed at first thought escape vehicle for the family. Because okay. it is out in the cold, okay, which is naturally refrigerated, yes, and because it's the escape vehicle, they have been as they've been out foraging and scrounging. Okay. they've been keeping a portion, but then putting a portion of everything into the van so that when the thaw hits, it yes. is loaded and ready to go. Okay, I didn't understand that, and that makes sense. That's again why they have to wait for the first thaw. Yes, they're like we gotta. You don't want to have to dig the van out. But they're basically using the van as an outdoor refrigerated storage locker. Yes, that will eventually be okay. the mothership. Because they mentioned having water in there. Mm -hmm. I think there's some other things in there. Cans of food. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. So then they have to get themselves back into town, and they have this empty sled. sled. I keep wanting to say sleigh. Maybe it is a sleigh. Sleigh is... Santa. It's not a happy sleigh. <laughs> 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 this empty sled with them. They we find out via their conversation that they are actually building a wall. Yes, a wall. around the city, around yeah. the city, around Fantastic. the city of Berlin. They run into guess who at the gate? Lincoln and Lincoln. Lincoln, Lincoln. Lincoln's got a gun. <laughs> yeah, He's, feels like a song from the nineties. Yeah. Right? He is part of the militia. He's like super, super genuinely serious about it. Hardcore. Hardcore. This is common. This yeah. is a common. For people who've had a hard time finding where they fit yeah. in the world, militias and cults alike yeah. are deeply attracted because they are accepted. And so when right. they get there, they do buy in yes. 100p. Lincoln has totally bought in to Matt, what Madeline is selling. So um, they kind of have some conversation back and forth. Lincoln asks to check their rifle. They're like, I got, he's like, I got to do my job. He asks them, like, clear, I guess you can tell by, 
examining the rifle that it's been shot, but they don't have any. Probably heard. Oh, Because you can hear, especially in in a wooded area around, and they didn't have the hum of life going on, cars and planes and all that. Okay. So my suspicion is there would have been hearing it, but maybe it is also just policy, period. All rifles are checked. I don't know. Okay. So there's a... You know, like, okay, she's like, we did, I shot at something, but I missed. And mm-hmm. they get through the gate because apparently part of the wall is there is a gate that's open during the day. They close it down at night. We switch scenes again. Madeline and Jeremy are kind of squabbling back and forth a little bit. She says she's got to get over to the radio station. Madeline is, by the way, not happy about the way Simon has been handling yeah. His responsibility of being her mouthpiece, she can tell by his sarcastic tone. He's not happy about the things right. he's reading. And, of course, there are the passi-aggressi soldiers. Yes. It threatens her power. Yeah, exactly. And so she starts talking about, um, you know, of all of the things that they're bartering, actually the most powerful commodity that you could possibly have is trust. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's in this conversation that it comes out that... She was like, I trusted you to basically to uh, handle handle Simon that day. Comes out that the person who shot Simon at the cell tower on the very first day of the blackout it was Jeremy. It was good Jeremy, good old Jeremy. I'm trying to think. I don't. I don't know, and I'm not saying there aren't any. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of Jeremys in my past that are fully good folk. <laughs> I'm sure they're out there. <laughs> I'm sure they I'm, are. I tease. I tease. Yes. Well, okay. So she kind of references the fact. She, was, she basically is like, I wish you would have killed him that day. Right. He's, this is where we start to see Jeremy start to backpedal a little bit. The, there's right. some, already been some cracks. Some soft flicks. Yes. But this is where he kind of starts going like, what is going on here? Well, in the midst of their squabble. Oh, also, she says, uh, the Atanis don't understand what I've built here. I yep. noted that sentence. I thought it was yep. really interesting that she has the full first person ownership mm-hmm. of what's going on there. And immediately after that, a phone rings. What? A phone? The power's been out for you know 99 right. days or whatever. It's the satellite phone that she has there. And Jeremy says, that's them, isn't it? Them. So she tries to ignore it, but they call immediately back. Yeah, as they would. <laughs> yeah. So then we get this deep voice modulated voice. Right. It's the, the voice scrambler. Yes, the voice scrambler. Uh, saying, who is this? We find out that this voice is called the Rook. They're calling for Dale. Remember Dale? Who's Dale? Yeah. They're like, where is Dale? And Dale is the bishop. Yeah. I've not looked up. I should have looked up chess terms because we also have a pawn and all this. There's a whole chess hierarchy going on here. There is an absolute chess hierarchy. Madeline is a pawn, but Dale was a bishop. The rook is concerned because they haven't heard from him for two months. The Rook says the regroup, so we do have a name. The regroup cannot afford complications going into phase two. Yeah, phase two. Phase this two. was all just phase one. Yeah. This 100 one. days. Phase one, he is trying to let Madeline know that soon they will be making arrangements to do the supplies drop. Mm-hmm. Now, he also sneaks in there. Yeah. Validation that, in fact, Texas does have power. Uh-huh. Yes, that's right. Exactly. And so 
Madeline is pushing back hard. She does not want their supply job. She is doing a thing. They are being self-sufficient. She's being pretty abrasive against the rook saying, we don't need your supplies. We don't want a handout. It's chipping away against our freedom. We make our own fate. Mm -hmm. All of this, you know, giving you give completely in the face of her running roughshod over the whole group. Yes, absolutely. Um, so we go back and, and oh, go ahead. Please do. I, I do think it's valuable just to really grasp here through conversation. He also makes the comment to her that ultimately, if, if she doesn't get on board, that they can wipe this oh, town yes. out. And she, he calls them like a bunch of rednecks, I think. Yeah, that pisses her off. Pisses her all the way off. Because, in fact, they're not rednecks. They're Rednecks are down here in the <laughs> southern area. you got to be able to get your necks unburned. Your geographical insults correct. If you're going to have rednecks. That's right. But but what I, what I ultimately want to get at with mm -hmm. this is the language around this really paints the picture of this bigger entity, it's not her, it's this bigger entity that's big enough that they're currently, they have communications in place around the country to know what's going on. Right. That they have evidently a surplus of supplies so great that they are making drops to, we have to assume there's more than one place like Berlin. Yep. And that they have the ability have to guess through military power of some kind to wipe out a place. Right. Whether they have jets or just surface to air or surface to surface missiles or whatever, who knows? But this is a big deal. And here she is claiming to be a big deal, but she's nothing. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. She's a mere pawn. She is, in fact, just a pawn. And it's just D4 or something. Some comes district. up later. Yeah. Okay, so then we switch back to the radio station. Uh, Simon mentions, hey, I'm going to be taking callers later, but don't forget that callers must be registered with the general store and all calls, and that's Madeline's general store, yes, of course, and yes. all calls must be pre-screened. Pre-approved questions only. Yeah. Thank you. And then he goes ahead and makes a choice to play a song called Oppression Nation. Yes. Well, after that, Hunter comes up in from the bunker, which I thought the bunker was sort of in the basement, but it sounds like, no, it's like sort of on a different part of the property. I can't tell. I it's, can't tell because at times the description sounds like it's a multi-story structure that they're in with a yeah. underneath, but maybe the bunker's entrance requires exit from the main. I don't know. Yeah. So Hunter comes in, basically. He is mm -hmm. not supposed to leave the bunker. Right. So Simon's pissed that he's in there. And they get into a little bit of a squabble because he's like, I want to get out. I want to do things. Like Bill said, this needs to be fixed. I can try to fix it. And Simon's like, absolutely not. You're not supposed right. to be here. You know, Hunter's a teenager, so he's like, why can't I? So in the midst of their squabbling, knock, knock, knock on the door, it's Madeline. Yay! So she interrupts their argument. Hunter rushes to hide. This is what made me think it's like on a different part of the property right. somehow because he like, I'll go back to the bunker. And Simon's like, no, you can't. She'll see you. And so Hunter makes a dash for a closet that's there in the studio. So Madeline comes in to express her great displeasure with Simon in the way he yes. is reading her announcements. And so she's like, you know what? So now here's how it's going to be. First of all, no more music. Yeah. I know what you're doing. I see you, Simon. I see you with your passy-aggressy music choices. No more music. Now we're doing talk radio. My announcements are going to be longer. Yeah. And all Madeline all the time. All Madeline all the time. But you're going to read it, Simon. And if you don't, guess what? 
it might just cost Izzy her right. life. Your other kid. Your other kid. So um, she, they kind of come to some sort of conclusion, some agreement on that. Of course, Simon doesn't really want to, but of course he also doesn't want Izzy to be targeted. Indeed. On the way out, she hears some scuffling sounds coming from, guess what, the closet. She heads over there. Simon's like, don't open it. And she's like, why not? He's like, uh, it's a big mess in there. Well, it's that classic TV movie trope. She opens it. She's like, doesn't look like a mess to me. Totally does not see Hunter in there. Right. Um, and so we find out after she leaves that Hunter... Found Harry Potter's Cloak of Invisibility. <laughs> no, that wasn't on this. That was a different thing. It's good. It's good. I wasn't expecting it. That's all it. the Harry Potter knowledge I have. <laughs> Um, Hunter solemnly swore he was up to no good and used the Marauder's map to... No. no you don't even know. Happen. Your eyes didn't glazed happen. over. You left the Harry Potter yeah, universe I thought already. you were bringing my lie back home and you okay. just forked over. Well, we find out Hunter had climbed up in the ceiling somehow and dodged that bullet. Um, we find we hear Simon kind of talking about how he forgot. I think this is talking into the recorder. He had forgotten that he got shot. Yeah. And he'd given yeah. up hope on ever finding out who shot him. Because we've got to, we've got to build the pressure around yeah. Jeremy. Je around Jeremy. Right. So final scene of Animals, which again was pretty intense and pretty action-packed. We're back at the general store. There's a confrontation with Jeremy no. and Madeline because a woman has come in. Wait, Madeline? Is Madeline there? Madeline's oh, yeah. not there. It's another lady. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I would... Okay. I would bet both my life and Iocane powder <laughs> on this. Conjoined. Bet my life on it. Hey, you know what? Like I said, my notes are sketchy, so... No, I'm, with your... I'm swearing there's another lady, and okay. for lack of a better name, let's call her a Karen. That's, okay. They're at the store, and they're bickering amongst each other because in comes a lady with nothing to trade that needs insulin. That needs insulin. She's desperate for it. Jeremy would not have dared to do this if Madeline was there. Okay, that's fair. All right. So, uh, the woman is desperate. She has nothing. She's like, I'll bring something in later. And the woman, again, you could call her Karen, is like, "This is we don't have socialized medicine, honey. And Jeremy... Again, he's already, the cracks have started in Jeremy, and he's yeah. like, no, I'm not going to be the human who lets somebody go without insulin. He takes a vial, and then he offers to walk this woman home. Yeah, so maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's a creeper. I don't know. Maybe, but they they run into Rick on Rick. patrol. Um, Which who, is uh, uh, Lincoln's dad, remember? Right, Lincoln's abrasive dad. Abrasive dude that he is. Yes, there's some kind of struggle. It sounds like something happens to the woman. Like they're, Right, like, like maybe she's dead. Yes, it's pretty open-ended, but something bad happens, and Jeremy takes off. Mm -hmm. Where does he go? Uh, directly to the Atani's. Right on. And he gets there, knocking on the door. It's Jeremy. And they're like, what are you doing here, Madeline's right. henchman? And he's like, no, no, no. I got to tell you, you're in a lot more danger, bum, 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 than yep. you know. Yep. End so, of episode. End of episode. So that was the penultimate episode called Animals. So this brings us to the conclusion. The last episode is called Whiteout. Here we are in a blackout, but the last episode is called Whiteout. So you know what a whiteout is, right? Please do tell me. I do not know. It has to do with snowstorms. Ah, uh, yes. A snowstorm during the day, the reflection of light, the amount of snow, all of that. 
yes. white out, you can actually suffer temporary blindness for trying to look through it. Thank you for bringing that up because I forgot to mention in the background of both that last episode and this final one is the rising tension around this blizzard that's mm -hmm. happening. It's actively blizzarding, and I feel like this is such a great nod to Shakespearean tradition in a, especially in a tragedy, when something, when bad events are happening, the weather will also yes, just reflect like, it. Just like way back, was it episode one, when they're going through the woods, dragging the pilot, yes. and then it starts raining. It's raining, yes. Yeah. I want to come back to the pilot here in just a minute, but... <laughs> Jeremy, again, he's at the Atanis. He starts basically telling them the story of how he's the one who shot Simon mm -hmm. and why. And he keeps, you know, basically saying it's all Madeline. This was right. all Madeline. He's he, kind of, well, the, the, the shooting him and all of that. He's not, he's not upset with, he reveals the name of what's going on. They're calling it, they being the they mm -hmm. are calling it the reboot. Yeah. Which is this scourge of technology and getting rid of it. Right. I don't know that he's against that. Mm -hmm. But then as you were saying. Right. He, cause he said like he and Madeline had been talking about how we need to get free of our t reliance on technology for years before they even found us. He right. Said. Right. And so he had these ideals and also ideas and you know, he they're had different this, things. Yes. <laughs> This idealistic view on what could possibly happen, but that in Madeline's hands, the power has just really caused the whole thing right. to get corrupted and gone off the rails. So he is like so deeply upset that he runs off. And I didn't realize the Atanis live in town. -ish. Ish. Now he's calling before he before he runs off. The language around this is he's really he's calling Simon to action. Yes. As well. Yeah. And then runs off. Charges the guards at the wall. Or tries to escape the or wall. Or tries something. to escape the it's wall. It's two in the morning. Oh, I forgot. It's like yeah. Yeah, it's the middle of the yeah. night. So he charges at the wall and the guards shoot him and he dies. They said somehow in the dark they were able to see there was blood everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So much blood. So RIP Jeremy. We hardly knew you. Okay. Anything else on that? Nope. That's all the notes I have for that. Next scene is Simon on air and he is freaking super chipper. He is delivering Madeline's news with a smile, you know, as you know. The crazy smile. The crazy smile of just forced happiness, delivering the news that it's a hundred days since since we took back our town. And the wall of construction is complete and what a wall it is. Um, he says we can expect a f now that uh, with this blizzard in progress, we can expect a full-on invasion of handout grabbing migrants coming into the towns. But thank goodness we've got the wall up. All of this stuff you can tell he's really, really forcing a smile until he he starts to yep. have schizophrenic moments. Yeah, in the in the it's not a podcast. <laughs> We're listening to the broadcast on a podcast. Yes. Don't get confused. Okay, so it, you can hear him starting to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm reading this. But then when he gets to what Madeline wants to say about Jeremy's death, it causes a real crisis of yes. conscience for him. And so in Madeline's version of it, a person who had been known for robbery and breaking and entering. Right, she's, and she's doubling up on, the, oh yeah. on everything. Had tried to escape and thankfully our guards protected us and all of this and... He's just like, no, I'm not going to do this. And in that instant, 
Simon goes all the way off the and rails. And she's listening. Oh, yeah, she's listening. We assume from the general store. Yeah. And so you have mixed mutterances from her. Uh-huh. Like, damn it, no. Yep. He goes all the way off script, tells the townspeople, you know, don't the wall isn't going to provide you safety. Walls won't keep us safe. They only keep us apart. Like, he just, like, goes off all of this stuff basically trying to get a call to arms together. Does he actually, oh yeah, in that moment, he re- reveals that yes. there is a bunker. Yes, we with, have all the things. Yeah, there's a bunker here at the radio station, enough food to feed my family for years, but why would I want to do that? I'm just going to be hiding for you, from you, my neighbors. Why would I want to do that? Come down here and get some food. Okay, so he is just like, all of this, all the truth, it just comes pouring out of Simon. Yeah. And then he bails. And then he's like, <laughs> see ya. Yeah, and then he is out. Okay, again, now it's actively, actively blizzarding outside. It's blizzarding, and we have the community is responding. And they aren't just, they, in fact, they haven't yet made it to the bunker, but they are working their way through town and Madeline's store and everything, everything that she's worked so illegally to gather together so hatefully. They're like, nope, it's mine, taking it. Yeah, they and they just like encroach on the town. Is that a word? They're just like, they're out, they're in the streets, they're taking yes. whatever they can find. Yes. Um, Lincoln is on uh, snowmobile patrol with his dad. Lincoln's trying to talk to his dad. Like guarding, yeah, guarding, guarding the snowmobiles. That's what I meant. That she's say. Yeah. confiscating, guarding her little um, the corral fleet of snowmobiles mm-hmm. there, and kind of arguing back and forth with Rick because Lincoln has bought all of this. He has just swallowed it down. He's like he really believes that he's doing the right thing, that he's helping protect the community. Rick, being you know a little older, a little wiser, sees right through it. A little more like, jaded. A little more jaded. Is like, you know what? It's every man for himself now. Um, Lincoln, like Rick asks, like, you know what? I'm going to go into town. I'm going to get some food too. I'm hungry too. And so Lincoln actually turns the gun on his dad. At this time also, guess who arrives on the scene to try to procure a snowmobile? The exile. Yeah. Here's Hunter. Um, I forgot that as we, as after, right after Simon goes on his rant, I think is when we flash to like Bill and the girls and Carla. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, Simon, he did this. We got to go, 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 go now. Yeah. I forgot yeah. that's a kind of a major part towards the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so Hunter has uh, shown up there to try to get some snowmobiles. Lincoln doesn't turn the gun on Hunter. He turns it on his dad. Yeah. And anyway, ends up letting his dad go. Right. right. Dad's like, screw it. I'm, yeah, he's like, I what are you going to do, son? Shoot me? Just here's the walkie-talkie. Have fun. Yeah. Lincoln has a moment of, re- of realization that the Yatanis are the ones that have taken care of him, even though his dad is terrible. Um, and because his dad is terrible, Lincoln basically tells Hunter, hey, if you guys are going to get out of town, you're going to need two snowmobiles. And so he takes one, Hunter takes one, they drive to the Yatanis. Now, this is the part that I actually started crying when I was listening to. Bill and Simon are talking. Yeah. Uh, I knew you would cry. You're going to have to tell Okay. So, happy Bill, who's enjoyed prepping and all of that, quite possibly with a missionary vision to someday just love people and, and give. It becomes apparent in this encounter that his intention is not to go with them, and perhaps never was. Mm-hmm. 
But his intention isn't to go with them, especially now that everyone's aware and on their way for stuff. He wants to be there to help make sure yes. that everybody's getting their stuff. Now, he's in no way judgmental of right. them no. wanting or needing to leave and helpful. Yes. Even. Just like, now, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here and do things right for those behind. Yes. As, he's a sweet man. Yes. As that is happening, the crowd is like... There, I mean, like hungry, angry mob again, with the backdrop of the blizzard happening, and we you can kind of hear that going on in the background. Um, Simon, in speaking into his recorder, talks about how what they came to realize was that no matter the tyrant, we were never powerless to fight back, you just have to trust each other. Um, Lincoln is at the Atanis. He helps the Atanis load their sleds to escape. Um, the Atanis rush the gate and Lincoln does something. Does he open the gate for them? I'm not sure what he does other than facilitate their exit. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't tell exactly what was happening. Just that he made sure they were getting out. I couldn't tell either, but earlier in a different episode, there was this thing about Lincoln not quite understanding how the gate works. Right. Neither Randy or Todd had to show him, but he does now know how the gate works, how to get it open. And so I think that's what it was, is that, oh, I know how to turn this crank and whatever to get the gate open. Anyway, the Atanis escape. Madeline calls they, them, and she's basically like, hey, um, remember those supplies that I didn't want? We'd like those in that one thing called hell at broke loose. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and need those supplies. And the Rook is like, oh, you are, aren't you? Um, and then he kind of starts talking about how there's been this insurgency and what is she going to do about that? And that when it comes to the resistance, you have to dig out the root and where is the root of this insurgence? And she's like, the Atanis, I don't know where they are. And he reports, oh, well, this pawn down in this part mm-hmm. of the state. Southern district. Yeah. This other district said that they saw a family come through town, um, headed south. And she says, oh, so they're on, they're going to be in your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's in big, big, big trouble with the powers that be. Um, Simon and Carla, uh, are, are talking and I'm super unclear how much time has passed at this point, but it, well, not like a whole day has passed or maybe, maybe not a, not much more, if any more than that. And Simon basically is just like, gosh, I just, because they're, they're, they crossed into Massachusetts. That's a big thing. Right. They're like at the border. They're at the border to cross into Massachusetts. Simon's like, I wish I could just get on air and tell people what's happened. Like, where would we even begin with this story? Well, Carla, ever resourceful woman that Carla is, Mm -hmm. pulls from her bag, not uh, a radio station, but a tape recorder. Yes. Which is what we've been listening to yes. all the way through. And perhaps. so nicely done, nicely played by the producers and the writers of this show. The closing scene that we hear was what we heard in the very opening scene of Simon talking into the recorder and beginning to tell yeah. the story. And that's how it ends. I do want to ask about Chekhov's jet plane, fighter plane. The fighter plane and the prison. And the prison, okay. Neither of those ever came to fruition. And especially the fighter plane, like that was a huge plot point in the opening things. What right. what the pilot was doing, why there was a plane flying over, like what? I mean, it was enough to make you have some question marks, but that thread never got sewn back into the big tapestry of this story. Okay, so likewise then, here we are entering into Massachusetts 
if I pronounced that right, with the intention of getting to Boston with the supposition that things are different somehow, some way. But I mean, in reality, or in this reality, the only way things could be different anywhere is just maybe different than having a Madeline. But there's still this group that's responsible for the reboot. There's yeah. obviously still some type of, theoretically, some type of semblance of former government that right. sent the plane to begin with. And so there's just a lot left open. Right. Which we think might be just loosely on purpose. I think so. I mean, Simon and Carla end basically before he gets on his tape recorder and starts telling his story. They end with this idea of like, we will form the counter revolution basically is kind of what they're, we're left with from Simon and Carla. Um, but yeah, there's so many things that were left open. It does make me wonder if they had planned to maybe do a season two at some time or if they're just like, nope, some stories just end like that. And that's true. Right. That's I've, how some stories end. I have wondered if maybe at the onset of writing and putting all this together, like any any show yeah. on television, wherever, they didn't know exactly where things would go. Sure, 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 sure. They wanted to leave some things open as the season progressed. From a, from a producer's standpoint, and I'm not saying that like I'm a producer. I know I am, but I don't know anything about producing. But I would have to assume from a producer's standpoint, you'd want to leave the door open to either have maybe another podcast, if it looked right. like it was fiscally worthwhile, or to have a television show offshoot from this, or yeah. a movie, or yeah. book series, whatever. Yes, it's true. And this company, this production company, Q Code, does have another dramatic um audio fiction podcast that is getting turned into a TV series. So maybe that's sort of their approach and good for them. If it yeah. is, I meant to do a side goob to give you the details on that. And I ran out of time. But we are going to be back tomorrow. That's true. Maybe I'll report back because what we want to wrap up the entirety. This was just story and things. We want to wrap up the entirety because Meg is a literary mind kind of walk through some final literary thoughts on how things were formed and shaped and what they may or may not mean. Just some more entertaining commentary there. That's it. So blackout was so good. Thank yes. you guys who listened along with us. Yeah. And even if you didn't listen and you just enjoyed us talking about it and telling you a story. Thank you for that. This has been really fun. Yes. So in the meantime, have an awesome today. Would you please do. Bye. Dead turtles are icky. So are dead puppies. Ogden Edsel has a song titled dead puppies. It is dark comedy. Go ahead and look it up. Curiosity is a formidable foe.